Star Wars 7x7, episode 1979. So the question has been posed about the Mandalorian, whether he is actually, in fact, a Mandalorian. But before we can really answer that, it kind of begs the question, what exactly is a Mandalorian in the first place? Well, we're going to answer that on today's episode. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. So, uh, scorekeeper Declan might pose the question, what even is a Mandalorian? And let's start with the basics of what we know to pursue the notion of whether the Mandalorian is in fact a Mandalorian, alright? For a start, according to Wikipedia, Mandalorians are human, so that at its base. And they are natives of the planet Mandalore, or its moon Concordia, or any of the planets that were conquered by Mandalorians in the past, like Kalvala, or Cronest, or Conquered Dawn, for example. Now, to put the Mandalorian in context, we actually have to talk a little bit about the history of Mandalore, and yeah, we could spend multiple episodes on that, so this is going to be a real breezy version of it. Suffice to say that Mandalorians have spent more of their time, rather than less, fighting. Whether it's with each other or with outside forces, yeah, just fighting, fighting, fighting. The armor, of course, is a response to their encounters with the Jedi, and having seen nothing like their supernatural abilities, they recalibrated everything to be able to combat the Jedi. Their armor, their weaponry, their combat styles, all of it is basically to be able to handle the most intense foes that they have ever come across, which are the Jedi. So they have this huge warrior fighting tradition past, and during the Clone Wars, a new Mandalorian movement takes hold of the government of Mandalore, led by the Duchess Satine, who you know, is trying to keep them neutral in the Clone Wars, but unfortunately the Separatists are mucking about with all of the traditional Mandalorians who want to get back to the warrior ways, and they are working with an organization called Death Watch, which is trying to get the Duchess Satine assassinated. That's its own series of stories, but what ultimately happens, of course, is that Palpatine gets rid of the Jedi and overthrows the Republic and establishes the Galactic Empire, at which point the Empire puts Mandalore under its thumb and makes things bad for just about everyone. <laughs> they eventually install a guy named Gar Saxon as their viceroy, and naturally, you know, there are all sorts of civil war things happening, and the last that we know of where things stand with Mandalore is in 2BBY, where a new civil war has broken out, and Gar Saxon is killed, and the Duchess Satine's sister, Bo-Katan, ultimately takes over the... You know, as the rightful heir, if you will, of the leadership of Mandalore and becomes part of this civil war that's happening. And yes, if you're listening to this and you're familiar with the Clone Wars and some of this stuff, then you know I'm leaving a lot of stuff out, okay? But, you know, I'm doing it on purpose, all right? Because we're trying to get somewhere specific. So there is something that happens called the Great Purge, which is only referred to in the Mandalorian TV series. It's hard to say when that purge takes place. Does it take place before 2BBY or after 2BBY? Whenever it is, it suggests that the 
number of Mandalorians that exist has been significantly reduced. And so you start to wonder about the notion of the foundlings and whether these are actual Mandalorian children or whether they are orphans that were found by Mandalorians, that the Mandalorians are bringing them in and indoctrinating them, if you will, into the Mandalorian code and by extension, rebuilding the Mandalorian population. Now, we're almost at the Mandalorian himself, but we have to do a little bit of mathematics first. I promise this is easy stuff. So the Mandalorian TV series takes place in 9 ABY, in other words, nine years after the Battle of Yavin. And the Clone Wars begins in 22 BBY, 22 years before the Battle of Yavin. So by extension, the Clone Wars takes place 31 years before the events of the Mandalorian. And the Mandalorian himself, we don't know how old he is necessarily, but he is certainly a young child when we see him in those flashback sequences where people are getting shot up, getting shot up by battle droids and by droid gunships. And so it suggests the possibility that this could be happening during the Clone Wars. And the fact that these people who are you know, running around and are not fighting and are not dressed in Mandalorian armor suggests the possibility that if this is happening on a Mandalorian planet, that these are pacifist Mandalorians, as in people who were following the new Mandalorian governmental movement that was led by the Duchess Satine during the Clone Wars. If this is the case, and this is a Mandalorian planet, and the child that we're seeing is the Mandalorian at a young age, it would mean we would have to say that the Mandalorian, as we meet him in the new TV series, is somewhere between 35 and 40 years old, roughly. And I think that is a reasonable supposition. And there's one other fact to throw at you that's outside of the Star Wars universe. It's not necessarily proof, but it certainly makes logical sense, or at least supports the argument. The actor Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian, is in real life 44 years old. I think it would be rather unlikely that they would ask a 44-year-old person to be playing a 24-year-old character, so I think it's probably more likely that they're asking him to play somebody closer to his own age, and so 35 to 40 years old? Yeah, I could certainly see that happening. So, if the math works out, then it is entirely possible that the Mandalorian is, in fact, an honest-to-goodness, born-and-bred Mandalorian. But, if it turns out that he's not, that he was adopted somehow, does that make him a Mandalorian anyway? Well, I have an answer to that, too, and I'll share it with you after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the asteroid belt level at patreon.com slash SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com slash SW7X7 and look for the asteroid belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com slash SW7X7. Welcome back. So, as the Mandalorian armorer says in one of the episodes, episode 3, chapter 3, to be specific, she says, when one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, 
a person is both hunter and prey, and how could anyone be a coward if they've chosen this way of life? So the key part about this is the choosing to walk the way of the Mandalore. Our Mandalorian has chosen to walk the way of the Mandalore, and so it suggests by extension that that person who chooses to walk that way is a Mandalorian, period, paragraph, end of story. And so maybe that's a new way of looking at things that has evolved since the Great Purge, since the Galactic Civil War, or maybe this is the way it's always been. I think there's a lot more for us to learn about the way of the Mandalore, but I think regardless of whether he is a Mandalorian by birth or adoption, I think it is a pretty well set in stone thing that the Mandalorian is in fact Mandalorian. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademarks and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.